Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Before we begin the sermon, just want to ask you to keep uh, Father Jonathan and Pastor Rip in your prayers. They are on their way to Africa. Uh, Rip wanted to reestablish connections he had with people in uh, Young Life uh, in preparation for us to be able to take people on similar mission trips. Uh, to uh, have a spiritual element, but also he's connecting with Jerry and Stacy, uh, not directly because they still have COVID, but with their orphanage, Bethany Village, in uh, I mean Good Samaritan Village in uh, Arusha, and then also with people who take people up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. So there could be some nice elements and some really good edifying uh, mission trips, and. Uh, Father Jonathan didn't want to miss out on that, so he's, he's, he's gone on his own dime, but uh, uh, he, he, is, he is there with him. And also, Father Steve is doing his military work this weekend, so please keep all of them in your prayers and pray for Aaron, who is here with the boys, without any help. So, uh, she's not only a... Uh, clergy spouse widow. She is a military widow as well. It's, it's a challenge. So we're going to look at several things today in the readings. Uh, the Old Testament lesson I love because this is the moment where Elisha, after Elijah is taken up and Elisha wants his power, you know, the, what's the first thing he does? He rolls up that cloak and goes whoosh, and splits the water and you can just, you just know he's thinking, I got it, you know. Uh, he's, a, he's a true believer. And then uh, in, in the gospel, I think that last line is the key, their hearts were hardened. That's what we're talking about uh, when we talk about this whole passage, that um, they just didn't get it yet. They couldn't connect the dots. You know? There comes that moment when you finally understand who Christ is and the love of God and you begin to connect the dots you understand God's power and God's strength and God's love and compassion and that's the moment where you begin to believe that all things are possible in Christ uh, they weren't there yet at this point what I want to focus on today though is the prayer in Ephesians because if that prayer is answered and it's God's will so it will be answered if we pray it and live for it, then uh, you will get to see and understand the fullness of God's love and power. Let's start by commenting on the fact that if your mind ever wanders when you're trying to pray, you're not alone. Uh, you know, there are times when I will try to pray, just focus so closely on my relationship with God and Gosh, before I know it, my mind is somewhere east of Abilene. And I was just somewhere over there. I have to bring it back. And that's okay. And it happened to Paul, too. And we see it today's, in today's reading. Because if you look, go ahead and open your Bibles or your pew Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, and whoever gets there first, call out the page name, number. for. Every. I'm sorry? 977. Okay. Ephesians 
chapter 3, verse 1, and then compare it to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says in verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he takes off on a tangent about the mystery of the church. And it's a beautiful tangent. But it takes him till verse 14 to get back to what he's about to do, which is to talk about this prayer. So in verse 14, then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Even Paul gets sidetracked. And so don't be, uh, don't be hard on yourself if your mind wanders when you pray. Just do like Paul does. Just come back to the point whenever you, you see that you're, you drifted off. So for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, Paul says. And he begins one of the most beautiful prayers in Scripture. It's often quoted, especially in reference to the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's love. And the prayer is especially beautiful because it is a prayer for God's family, the church. Paul's prayers were always about the church. And they were for the church. They were addressed to the church. He fell to his knees because of the supreme fatherhood of God. Think about what that means. The creator of the universe. Who created everything that is seen and unseen. Is building a family that will live with him forever. That's what the church is. And Paul is overwhelmed by this truth. It just amazes him that our Heavenly Father, of all the things he could be doing, is building a family that will live with him forever and invites every one of us to be a part of that. Now, this prayer carries three major petitions. Praise for our strength, for our love, and for fullness. And we'll take those in order. First, Paul prayed that God would grant mighty inner strength to the believers. In verse 8, 16 and 17a, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, we gain an insight into what Paul is praying about when we understand that the Greek word for strength, the Greek word that's translated strength here, actually the opposite of that word in Greek is despair, the word that we translate as despair. So strength, what is strength? It's hope in God. It's a sure knowledge of God and his love and his faithfulness. And we find the source of this strength of the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of adoption, as Scripture tells us. The Holy Spirit that assures us that we are sons and daughters of the living God through adoption. And God sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and to be within us after Christ had returned to heaven. The Spirit would comfort us, would guide us to know the truth, would remind us of Jesus' words, would point out when we did not obey, would give the right words to say when we need words to say, and would fill us with power to do good. How many of you experienced things like that in your life through the Holy Spirit? I know it's a, it's a part of my life is experiencing those things. It's just amazing. Uh, 
you can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes it real. It's the difference between, we had a great discussion in Sunday school, by the way, that kind of uh, plays off of this, but it's the difference between artificial fruit and real fruit. If you try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, it's like tying artificial fruit to a tree. It looks good, but it doesn't feed you. If you let the Holy Spirit lead you and you follow the Spirit, then real fruit is produced in your life. That's the benefit of the Holy Spirit. And the other thing that is interesting is that uh, when the Greek word, which we translate as dwell, contains the idea of settling down, okay? Taking up permanent residence. So it's not that Christ is uh, finding his way to your heart for a weekend. Uh, he's finding his way into your heart for eternity. The heart in the Bible always refers to the center of a person's emotions and will. It's what drives you. So it just what compels you to do things. We were talking about this in Sunday school too. I'm sorry you, uh, if you weren't there, I'm sorry you missed it. But there was a uh, discussion about why are we driven to do good, you know? And is it because we just, we have to be obedient, we have to do our duty? Uh, or is it because we're so in love with God that that's just how we express our love is to do the works that he created us to do. Christ in our hearts through the Holy Spirit makes this possible. It's like, I don't really choose to do good works. Christ chooses to do good works through me. It's him doing the good works. And I'm just along for the ride in many ways, but it transforms me in the process. Now, Paul prays first for the indwelling presence and the Spirit's strengthening power, because this helps us with the next thing he prays for. And that is in 17 and 19, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Rooted brings to mind trees for me. And think about trees in West Texas. In our landscape, they've got to put down roots, not only to go deep enough to find water, but they also have to put deep roots down so that they're not blown over in, in one of our storms and in the wind. You know, it's 60 degree, I mean, 60 mile per hour winds are not that unusual here. And in our lives, we have spiritual storms. We also have spiritual droughts. And in those situations, it is important that our roots be deep in Christ so that we are anchored in that truth and knowledge of God's love for us. I'm a child of God. I mean, all hell may be breaking loose around me, but I'm a child of God, and I can walk with Christ through these things. Christ's love, Paul prays for us to understand the vastness of it. His love is total, complete, eternal, and all-encompassing. It reaches every corner of our experience. It is wide, covering the breadth 
of our lives and reaching out to the whole world. It is long, continuing the length of our lives and on into eternity. It is high, rising to the heights of our celebration of our relationship with God. And his love is deep, reaching to the depths of discouragement, despair, and even death to draw us into his abundant life. When Paul prays for believers to comprehend Christ's love, he is not just talking about an intellectual understanding. He is talking about a, an experience, living in Christ's love, having a deep understanding of it. And Paul then prays for a very contradictory thing. He says, now you can't understand this, but I'm going to pray you, you understand it. <laughs> and I think what he's trying to say here is that Christ's love may be incomprehensible, yet we need to grasp what we have become a part of in Christ. And that actually is our life's occupation in a way. It will be an eternal work for us. I don't believe we ever fully grasp it. I mean, thousands of years from now in eternity, we'll still be fascinated and stand in wonder of God's love and what he did for us in Christ. I think we don't even fully understand it yet. And we won't until we experience the fullness of the kingdom. But the thing is, and this is key, we can't have this loving experience with Christ alone, okay? We have to do it together with all the saints, okay? The, uh, we need each other even to begin to comprehend God's love because to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge requires that it not be simply a mental knowledge, but that we experience the love of Christ with each other. Have you ever had someone you didn't really enjoy being around? But the love of Christ enabled you to be with them? That should happen all the time, you know? Those are those moments where we experience a supernatural love that is not of our own creation. But it is something that transforms us. And the final petition from Paul is that we be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, that's an immense thing, um, especially when we look at our own smallness. But it reminded me of Stuart Briscoe, who remarked that uh, we need to be like the little boy who was heard to say when he fell into a barrel of honey, Lord, make my capacity equal to this opportunity. This fullness means that there is nothing lacking in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. God pours His love and power into believers, making us complete for this life and readying us for the life to come. The fullness is expressed only in Christ, really. He is the only one who is infinite and can contain the infinity of God. We are finite. So we can only contain so much, but we will grow in that over the course of our eternal lives. But think of it like this. If you take a jar down to the ocean, you stick it in, it's going to be full of the ocean. It won't have all of the ocean in it, but it will be full of what is the ocean. The, with us, we can't contain all of God's love. We cannot contain all of Christ. But we can begin to 
open ourselves to be filled with Christ. And in doing that, we become Christ-like. And we begin to treat each other. I remember one priest saying one day, we really ought to uh, bow to each other. We bow to the cross, but Christ is in each of us. And we ought, ought to bow to the Christ in each of us. As we become Christ-like individuals, the, I, the goal is for us to be seen less and Christ to be seen, be seen more in us. I mean, what does, if Jesus became incarnate as Doris Redfern, you would be expressing God's love uniquely. The same would be true of Alan Lindsay. If we're incarnate expressions of the love of Christ, then slowly but surely what we see in each other is the love of Christ in a unique way in each of us. But that's part of the immensity of God, is that his love is that great. And then Paul closes his high prayer with high praise. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So God can act beyond our ability to ask or even imagine. Think about that. You know that's true. But how often have you asked for a blessing and God gave you something greater? Now, I've got a plan here, God. If you'll do this, I think I'll make it. And God's like, well, why don't we just do better than that? He can do things that we can't even imagine. To the unfathomable depths of Christ's love is added the exceeding abundance of his power. And as believers, we can claim Christ's great love and know his power is at work within us, transforming us through the Holy Spirit. So, we give God the Father all of the glory for enabling us to share in the love and power of his only Son, Jesus Christ. And through him and the Holy Spirit, we are redeemed and filled with all the fullness of God in this life and forever. Now, you may wonder, well, how can this be or how might this work? Well, you ask for things that are God's will for you, and God answers the prayer. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure if I ask for, you know, the house and veil that God is going to answer the prayer. But if I ask for things that align with his character and his will for me, then he'll answer that. And what Paul is praying right here is a prayer that I hope we will all own and pray for each other. Because this is God's will for us. And he will answer this prayer. Let us pray. We bow our knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, 
and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.